0: Um, I don't know if you know this, but I I, I like uh, football, and I'm an Ole Miss fan, and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why we're talking about how you need to be thankful not for all things, but in all things today, but um, our kickoff was at 6 o'clock last night, so it's a four-hour and 15-minute ride from Oxford, Mississippi to East Clark Boulevard, where I live, and you uh, you can do the math, and you cannot expect a lot from today's sermon, okay? <laughs> um, as I was trying to plan for the sermon, you know, I was, I was really good. I wrote it earlier in the week, last week, because I knew I was going to have a late night last night and early this morning getting home. Uh, also, when I wrote it, I realized that I, I wrote too much. It, it was It was like Goldilocks. This was too much. And so then I shaved a bunch off, and, and now it's too short. And so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that somewhere it's going to fall just right in, in the sermon today. But, um, but anyway, I just wanted to kind of give you uh, that heads up. Last week, we began a three-week sermon series on gratitude. And we talked about that there are all sorts of studies that aren't just preacher studies. I mean, these are legit studies about gratitude and generosity and the positive impact that they have on our lives. It's as if God wired us, God created us, God gifted us to be grateful people. It's what God desires for each of us. But sometimes it is really, really hard to give God thanks in all circumstances. And so that's today's sermon. But you might remember that last week I encouraged you throughout the month of November, would you consider doing a gratitude journal where you simply write down the things for which you're thankful. I told you that one of my practices is that I try to get up every day and I try to find something that either I've never given thanks to God for or I've seldom given God thanks for. And I just try to thank God for something like that every single morning. I told you that you might also want to write uh, gratitude letters. You might want to just every day during the month of November send someone a note or a letter and just express your gratitude to them for something that they have done. The hope of this three-part sermon series is that at the end of it, our gratitude quotient would be bigger, would be more, that we would find ourselves somehow being more grateful for what God has done in our lives. And so that's what my prayer is in these three weeks that we have together speaking about gratitude. Well, several weeks ago, uh, I began a Wednesday night class as a part of our Wednesday night together series. Uh, We started off last semester, our very first Wednesday night together was about neighbors and just kind of celebrating the diversity in our community. And we had different food that was representative of different cultures that are made up not only of people here in our church, but also people in our community. And if you were here, you got to sample some Korean food and some Mexican food and some Indian food and some Jordanian food. It was just really, really wonderful. And I thought that if we're going to be focusing on our neighbor, maybe we should do a a study on Christian denominations and then world religions And so this past several weeks on Wednesday nights, we've been looking at different Christian traditions, uh, denominations, our brothers and sisters in faith that uh, worship maybe a little differently than we do and maybe think a little differently than we do. And a couple of weeks ago, we began to talk about uh, some of our sisters and brothers in the faith and other denominations that believe in predestination and believe in election. And they, they believe that everything that happens is the will of God. And they believe that, that we should, therefore, because it is the will of God, we should thank God uh, for those things that happen because it is God's will. ...for our lives and for the world. And there are Christian denominations that believe those things. And why do they believe them? They believe them because of the way that they interpret the scripture. There are all sorts of scriptures in the Old and New Testament... ...that suggest that that things that happen are uh, God's will. And so they choose to, to interpret those scriptures... ...and say that because there are so many scriptural references to that that it must be that everything that happens is the will of God. Well, not every Christian tradition believes that. And in the United Methodist tradition, uh, most of us typically would not say that every single thing that happens in the world is the will of God. We believe that, that there is God's ultimate will that, and, and an intended will, and then there's a circumstantial will. There, is, there are things that happen that God didn't intend to happen, and, and it happens in part because God gave humanity the free choice to make decisions, and our decisions impact those things. And so we, we just began to have a really healthy conversation about some of the distinguishing characteristics between typical United Methodist theology and maybe some of the theology of some of our other brothers and sisters uh, in the faith, um, i 'm going to need an extra sermon series to kind of unpack all of that for us. I think it might be helpful because uh, many of you perhaps didn't weren't raised in a United Methodist Church. You might have been raised in one of those traditions where uh, everything that happens is the will of God. And so uh, I think maybe next year we're going to kind of unpack that a little bit and just kind of talk about not to say that Methodist is better than another denomination, but just to kind of give us some some more information about how we arrive at two different understandings of the will of God, uh, each of us using Scripture to come to that understanding. So we're going to do that next year, but I'm going to, I don't have time to do that today. But let me just say this. When I was diagnosed with cancer uh, nine years ago, I don't believe that it was God's will for me to get cancer. Uh, I think we understand now that what happens, how cancer happens uh, in the body, that when genes mutate in abnormal ways and, and it creates cancer, uh, I don't believe in my own personal faith that God caused me to get cancer. But I couldn't tell you how many people that would come up to me when I had cancer and said, you need to give thanks that God gave you cancer because God's going to use that cancer in some sort of wonderful way to uh, communicate God's truth. I'm like, well, if that's the wonderful way that God wants to use me, I I'll take my name off the list. I, I don't want to be used... By God, in that way, I, I just—it was difficult for me to to say that I needed to give thanks uh, to God for cancer. I mean, that's like giving thanks to God for robocalls. I mean, it's like th- giving thanks to God for LSU fans. I mean, it's like giving. I mean, really, I don't think that's what God intended, right? Um, I just couldn't embrace that in my own understanding. It's like giving God thanks for mosquitoes. I mean, uh, we could go on. You know, you just there's some things that I think we should stop short of giving God thanks for. But a lot of people interpret the scripture that we read this morning from 1 Thessalonians as that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to give God thanks for all things. But if you notice, that's not what the Scripture said. It said that we are supposed to give thanks in all things. You see, I don't think that it was God's will that I got cancer. I don't think that that, um, I'm supposed to thank God for the cancer. But I can thank God that in the cancer, I began to learn more about myself and more about my faith and more about what it would mean to be a pastor, to walk alongside someone else who's been diagnosed with cancer. I can absolutely subscribe to the theory that God worked in my cancer to do some good things and to teach me some things that I needed to learn. But I don't think that God caused my cancer or that I'm supposed to thank God for the cancer. So why does Paul remind us in this scripture that we've read this morning that we should give thanks in every circumstance? The reason, I think, that he does that is because Paul knows that uh, many of us, it's just in our nature to be gripers and complainers. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, we just... We spend an inordinate amount of time just griping and complaining. It's not new to us. I mean, It's been going on since the beginning of the time. You remember how the Israelites cried out to God when they were in bondage and and God heard their cry and so God sent Moses to them and God said, I'm about to liberate you from the bondage that you've been in to the Egyptians and not only am I going to liberate you from bondage, but I'm going to take you and lead you into a promised land that is more Beautiful than anything you can begin to imagine. And I mean, what kind of amazing promise is that? So you get out of bondage, and then you get this promised land that's absolutely amazing, and then what do the Israelites do? They start complaining. They start grumbling. They don't like the food that God's given them. They don't think they've got enough food. So they start saying, well, I'd rather be in bondage back in Egypt because at least we got some warm Food, you know, every once in a while. We never went hungry when we were over there. And this business about being liberated and promised a land flowing with milk and honey is for the birds. Send me back. They were griping and they were complaining. They didn't like Moses. They didn't like Aaron. They didn't like where they were walking and how they were walking. They complained and they complained and they complained and they complained. Well, in Philippians... In chapter 2, um, Paul says, In everything, do it without grumbling and arguing. Why did Paul say that? Because we are a bunch of grumblers, complainers, and arguers. We just get mad about anything and everything, and we just start complaining, and we just start grumbling, and, 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 and that is, just seems to be a part of our nature. What does James in his epistle say? Well, he says, don't complain about each other. My Lord, I hear people complaining about people all the time. Somebody got my seat last Sunday morning. Um, you know, the sermon went too long. The sermon wasn't long enough. Uh, you, should, you should not go to Ole Miss ballgames if you're going to preach that badly the next day. I mean, it, we complain about everything. It's been going on. Since the beginning of time. So Paul is reminding us that if we change our way of thinking, it will change us. You might, your, your natural default might be to grumble and to complain. But if you begin to reprogram your brain to express gratitude, then you will find yourself becoming more grateful and when you find yourself being able to give God thanks in all things you will find out that it begins to change your mind you will start looking for good things because if you want to find things to complain about newsflash you're going to find it but you're also going to find things for which to be grateful if you're looking for that And when you start to look for that, you'll be amazed at how much you see it. And once you see how much you see it, then it will begin to fundamentally change your life. But it is not our nature. Uh, I was listening to a podcast not too long ago, and they were talking about the Winnie the Pooh characters. And, and, you know, Tigger is just always boundless, full of energy. He's bouncing off the walls. He's always happy. He's always positive. And then you got, oh, Eeyore. Eeyore is always gloom and doom. He never sees anything that he likes. He always sees the glass half full. And that's our default, many of us. I think we all have a little bit of Eeyore in us. That's why Paul goes to such great lengths about reminding us to to be intentional about gratitude, giving thanks in all things, giving thanks, because we see that that's just a part of how we're wired. And maybe we need to be a little bit more like Tigger. Because we also have a little inner Tigger in us too. And if we'd focus more on giving that attention of seeking to be positive, seeking to be happy, seeking to be for reasons to be joyful, we will begin to see those kinds of things happening in our life. We read a little bit about Jesus in the Last Supper today. Jesus' Last Supper, he's sitting around with those uh, 12 disciples that had been with him since the beginning of his public ministry. And as he's gathered around in that Last Supper, he knows what's about to happen. He knows that Judas is about to sell him out for 30 pieces of silver and turn him over to the authorities that will eventually lead to his death, his crucifixion. He also knows that Peter is going to deny him three times before the sun rises and uh, and the cock crows the next day. He also knows that every other one of those disciples that's gathered around that table will end up fleeing out of fear once he is arrested and taken before the Sanhedrin. Jesus knew every single one of those things as he gathered around the table to break bread with them that night. Do you think Jesus was in good spirits that night? Do you think he was just excited and happy and joy-filled? No, he wasn't. We know that he wasn't because later Jesus goes and he throws himself down in the Garden of Gethsemane and he says, I'd do anything in the world for this cup to be passed from me, that if there's any other way for us to do what You want us to do, God, let's do it. I do not really want to go through this. And yet, He said, not my will, God, but Your will. Je- Jesus made a conscious decision that night to give thanks even though he probably didn't feel like giving thanks. Do you remember how he took the bread and the first thing he did was he gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it. And then he gave it to those disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is about to be broken for you. And then he took the cup and after he lifted it up to God, he gave thanks for the cup. He wasn't thankful for that moment but he was thankful in that moment because he knew that as bad as the situation was, as difficult as it was for him to accept uh, that God was going to work in it and through it and was going to redeem, uh, work redemptively in, in overcoming evil. Evil would not have the final word. Even though Jesus would go to the cross... Jesus knew that God was going to work in that so that even though He died and even though we die, yet shall we live. So Jesus gave thanks not for that situation, but Jesus gave thanks in that situation. Um, Would you seek to do that this week? I know that a lot of your stories, and I know a lot of you are really struggling with some really serious and difficult things in your life. And you're not thankful for that stuff. But could you be thankful in it? Could you just say, God, I know that somehow, some way, you're going to work through this difficult circumstance in my life to do something good. And would you just help me to believe that? And would you help me to look for that in this circumstance and see what God does?